All right, let's turn to in the Word of God, Ruth chapter 2. Ruth chapter 2, we'll start off there. Ruth chapter 2, and we'll read verses 5 through 18. Ruth chapter 2, verses 5 through 18. <laughs> Say this. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now, that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they should, shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let, my, let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat before the reapers, and he reached her parched corn. And she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, again, we come before you through the blood in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and Lord, uh, we just uh, thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of prayer. <clears throat> Lord, as we think of those, again, with uh, <clears throat> physical needs, we think of Sister uh, Judy tonight. <clears throat> we think of uh, Rita. We think of uh, Sonny. And Lord, we thank you for the good report that Sister Muxlow was able to give tonight. We ask you just continue to touch her. No doubt there's other with physical needs. And again, uh, those that are uh, traveling. And uh, Lord, we do pray for those that have uh, gotten tracks or been witnessed to. We think of this uh, gentleman, Jeff, that uh, Brother David uh, mentioned. Lord, wherever he is right now, take the word of God that he's heard and convict and stir him up with the desire to know more, Lord, and to know uh, Thee. And, uh, Lord, you know the other things that are upon people's hearts. Uh, no doubt there's unspoken prayer requests or there's things going on in uh, people's lives. And, Lord, uh, we just want to put our prayers and our faith together, uh, dear God, and we're glad that we can do that, Lord, that we can unite not just in body, but we can unite in faith and in prayer and trust you to do things. Now, again, uh, thank you for your word and teach us, Lord, to thy glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So on Sunday nights, we've been looking at characteristics. And so tonight, I want to look at one. Of course, as we get into the Christmas season, right, and the Christmas spirit, as this time of the year is called, and again, right, it is the most wonderful time of the year. No, I'm not going to sing that. Uh, don't have time, but uh, uh, what a good thought that is. But I think a good characteristic to emphasize at this time of the year is generosity, generosity, right? Uh, of course, you know, uh, this time of the year, of course, our thoughts are towards the Lord and things. But, you know, a lot. Of t- and then, of course, in the world sense, people think about what? They think about the Scrooge, right? Don't be a Scrooge and uh, sort of emphasize that, right? Being generous is the opposite of being a, a Scrooge, right? Now, who's heard this saying? Your candle loses nothing when it lights another. I'm sure many of you have heard that saying. Your candle loses nothing when it lights another. What does that, what does that saying mean, or what is the thought behind that? Somebody. Yes, David. Right. In other words, it, it, giving takes nothing away from you. Right. A lot of times, you know, I mentioned before, you know, people say, oh, I want my piece of the pie. Well, I always tell people, listen, we live in a pie factory, so you don't have to worry about one piece. Right. God, you, you give your pie away and amen. God will bring another one up. And so uh, uh, that thought, your candle loses nothing when it lights another. And that's our our job. Right. To pass on, of course, the light of the gospel, but other things as well. Let me uh, uh, mention some things about that thought of being generous and uh, being kind. Nothing speaks to people much more loudly or serves them better than generosity from a believer. Generosity from a believer. I was thinking about uh, Patrick this morning, right, as he was encouraged because uh, uh, Amy and Ari, they uh, shared uh, some of their uh, Thanksgiving meal with him, and they took that by, and that was a blessing to him, right? They were <coughs> generous with uh, what they had. And so uh, a believer showing generosity. True, true generosity communicates that the believer cares, that the believer cares about people and about their well-being. And that the believer has unselfish motives, right? We're not doing this necessarily to get something back. We're doing this because we truly care about you. We want to be a blessing to you. Generosity helps build a good connection with others. And people tend to respond with a willingness uh, to give back to those who show generosity, right? As we often quote, right, people don't really uh, care, right? Uh, People don't uh, care, or I should say, how much you know till they know how much you care. And a lot of times, you know, we'll get witnessing to people. We get caught up on trying to show how much theology we know or maybe how smart we are. And, you know, of course, we want to be well grounded in the word of God. But sometimes uh, the, the, the door can be opened by a kind action. Right. I mean, uh, Jesus. Right. We know that he wasn't there to feed the people, but he was willing to do it. Right. He was he was generous with other people's lunch. <laughs> right. <laughs> he prayed over it and uh, blessed others. So generos- generosity is a concrete demonstration, again, <clears throat> of showing how much a person cares. Now, of course, some people are naturally more <clears throat> generous than others, but anyone. Right. Anyone can become <clears throat> generous. Right. I mean, didn't the Scrooge even learn to become generous, right? Even the Scrooge. So I'm sure if the, he, he can learn that, that uh, others can learn it. But, of course, the first step is to uh, uh, change perspective. A lot of times people don't want to give up things because, oh, well, you know, then I won't have. But again, 
right? Your candle loses nothing when it lights another. And so, uh, and again, another thing to remember, most generous people, you'll notice that most generous people have a contentment about them, right? <laughs> they just seem, they're content. You know, the Bible says, be content with such things as you have. And people that uh, tend to give a lot, they do have a sense of contentment <laughs> about them. And they're not preoccupied with obtaining or hoarding wealth or, or things. Instead, they are happy and grateful for what they have. And I hope that you are grateful and happy for what you have. They see money as a gift. And as a result, they hold on to it loosely. But let me also say properly. I mean, there are Bible principles for how to, how to handle uh, 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 money. And note this. Generous believers always value people more than possessions. Value people more than possessions. They put others first, and they also see money for what it is, simply a resource or a, a tool to be used. They understand that its value comes from its ability to advance a greater mission, right? A greater mission, just like, you know, through the church. You know, the other day we shared that testimony of that missionary, right, that most of us didn't even know, but he had a need, and so the church was willing to help him out, and we saw how that answered a great burden and a great prayer that that missionary, that missionary had. So as a result, those that are generous, they are not mastered by money, but again, rather to use it to serve people and a greater vision. So the best way to become more generous is to become more consistent in the practice of generosity. Make it a habit. The amount given is not as important as the act of giving. Well, we see that in the Bible. I mean, who was one of the people commended the most? The one who only what? Gave, right? Gave the two mites. They gave the two mites. So that's a good thing to remember. Find ways to be generous every day, and you will benefit both as a giver and as a receiver. Not necessarily uh, get more money. I tell you, having that heart, I mentioned before, if, if uh, something's bothered me or I seem to uh, uh, try, you know, uh, down or whatever the case might be, you know, I, I, I say, man, I need to go out and find somebody uh, to encourage. And I'll go out my door and, you know, I'll just walk up. I'll go, a lot of times I'll go walk at firm and I'll just uh, find somebody to talk to. I'll go somewhere, just find somebody uh, uh, to talk to and I'll carry some books with me or something and I'll just find somebody uh, to witness to or find somebody to give a, a book to. And you know what? Uh, I always feel better. That helps me. Uh, in doing that. And so don't limit your generosity, of course, to just money. A lot of times people think money, but of course, your, your time, uh, your, your knowledge, and other resources as well. Uh, the writer John Bunyan, or John Bunyan, said this, you have not lived today, you have not lived today until you've done something for someone who can never re." pay you. And what a blessing that is to know that you've done something for somebody and you didn't do it to necessarily get something back, or at least from that individual, you know the Lord will bless you uh, uh, for that. And of course, you're doing it more not to get something back from him, but more because you want to glorify his name by being a good uh, a witness to him. So uh, remember that thought. You have not lived today until you've done something for someone who can never repay you. So live at a higher level 
I like that. By being generous. Given is truly, amen, a higher level of learning. So just some thoughts on generosity there. But a couple things from uh, Ruth here. Now, of course, when we think of Boaz, what's one of the things we think of? We say, oh, yeah, Boaz. He's the He's the one that's a type of the kinsman. All right. He's the one that's a type of kinsman redeemer in the Old Testament. And indeed, he does illustrate that. But I think uh, we ought to notice something that I believe is clear as you go through. Everybody thinks about what he did for Ruth. But I think if you read between the lines, so to speak, it is clear that his spirit of generosity and giving was already instilled in him before he ever met Ruth. In other words, I don't think he was some, uh, you can see by the way, he, he, he treated uh, those that work for him, right? It's not like all of a sudden he said, oh man, who's that young lady over there? I think I'm going to, man, uh, uh, put on my good side today. No, I think it's clear in the word of God that those things were already instilled in him before he ever met Ruth, which is a, a good thing to remember. I wrote this down, side note to young people. When you are considering a relationship with someone, do your best to discern whether the right character traits are instilled in that individual, right? Or are they just displaying them for you? <laughs> Remember that. That's something you want to try and discern. Hey, is this, uh, and a lot of times you can tell by the way they treat others as you go around, right? Oh, uh, you guys went out and had a meal together. Well, how do they, how do they interact with the waitress? How do they interact uh, to the person that opened the door? How do they interact to that person? And you can see if those character traits uh, are, are really in them or if they're just trying to put a good show on for you. Because remember, I say it again, when you're dating, courting, however you want to put it, you get the best. But once you get married, you get the rest. Amen. So you want to make sure that you want the rest, right? Because uh, they, you know, they're given the best, but you want to make sure that rest, amen, is uh, right up there as well. And I think you see that in Boaz, that he already uh, had those things instilled. Boaz seemed to already have these traits, and Ruth simply benefited from the character that Boaz already possessed. Boaz clearly had made the decision to live according to biblical principles. And any individual, any individual who is spirit-guided and biblically grounded, let me say that, spiritually spirit-guided and biblically grounded, you know what, will have a generous disposition, right? They'll just have a, a, a spirit of generosity. I think of uh, uh, some of the, the people that I've met along the way that just had a, had a heart for God. Well, you know what? They had a heart for giving too. They were always just looking for something uh, that they could, they could uh, uh, give. And it wasn't just, you know, uh, about money, but it, it was a way to make a connection and make a memory with somebody. You know, I think of people that have, have given me things and not really uh, super expensive things, but just uh, some things along the way. And boy, now that those, now that, that man of God or that woman of God is off the scene, boy, that little thing means so uh, much to me uh, right now. So Boaz surely knew such verses as Luke 23, 22, which says, And when ye reap the harvest of your land, 
Thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corners of thy field when thou reapest. Neither shalt thou gather any gleaning of thy harvest, but thou shalt leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So God said, hey, maybe you're blessed, right, that you have a field. Maybe you're blessed that you own some land. Maybe you're blessed to be a successful farmer. But you know what? I want you to have a spirit of generosity uh, to those that are less fortunate to you. Remember them. Right. You know, don't you don't have to you don't have to cut every inch of that field. Right. Uh, leave uh, some extra. I don't know if it's a practice down here, but I remember when I was a when I was a, a, a kid, a lot of times uh, the, the farms we, when we go out in the country, you'd see those uh, cornfields. Uh, it's like there was a standing I guess, understanding, you might say. Now, you couldn't just go in there and cut down a bunch of stocks, but it was sort of a standing thing that you could go in, into a farmer's field and as much as you could carry, right? You couldn't load up your car, right? But uh, uh, at least where I was back then, you, you know, you could go in and, and the farmer didn't think anything and, and, and take a few uh, ears of, of corn. That was just sort of a, a, a thing that I remember as, as a child. It's like some of you look like, well, not around here. <laughs> Don't try that on my grandpa's farm. He got a shotgun and he knows how to use it. Amen. But, uh, uh, but you know, that's sort of the same thought of uh, being, being generous. And so note again, Boaz's generosity toward Ruth. Again, uh, verse nine, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap and go thou after them. Have not I charged the young men that they should not touch thee. When thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Verse 10, then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said, Why have I found, look, grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, saying, I am as a stranger. Well, because he wanted to live his life according to the word of God, and the word of God taught you to be generous to strangers. Uh, verses 14 and 15. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime, come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her partial cord. I always like that little line right there. I, up, I can see Brother Burgess reaching over parched corn. Amen. The sister, right? Reached parched corn. And she did eat and was sufficed and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. So we see a good example of biblical generosity through Boaz's life, not just to Ruth, but you see that that was part of his character and part of who he was. And that should, that's how it should be for us as believers. Now, quickly, we're going to see a contrast here over in Acts. You know, these verses, looking at the end of Acts, beginning in verse 32, says, Acts chapter 4, verse 32, Acts 4, 32, and the multi them, multitude of them that believed. See, that was the key. They believed because, right, God, right, for God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. That's the heart of God, right? God has a heart to give. He gave his only begotten son. So when you believe and he changes your heart, maybe you were a Scrooge before, right? Uh, but now you'll want to give. We're of one heart and one soul. <laughs> Neither said any of them that aught of those things which he possessed was his own but they had all things common. 
and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord, and great grace was upon them all. <clears throat> Neither was there any among them that lacked. Boy, that's, that's, the, that's the key. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, brought the prices of things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being termed the son of consolation, <laughs> excuse me, a Levite into the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Notice that word distribution. I like that word means this, to deliver from hand to hand in succession. And I like that thought of from hand to hand. You know, in this day that we live in, boy, we know we can just, you know, and, and nothing wrong with this, but that you can be a, a blessing to somebody. Man, I just, boom, send something on Amazon, send something on whatever, and just have something delivered. But there's something special about that thought of hand to hand. I'm sure, <coughs> excuse me, that uh, if, uh, if uh, uh, Amy and Ari would have called DoorDash or whatever and said, hey, can you take this over to Patrick's house? Hey, I'm sure Patrick would have still uh, uh, ate it. But I guarantee you there was something special that they brought it by hand. There was something special, right, for that hand-to-hand, that face-to-face uh, 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 connection. It's nice, again, we can have stuff sent, but again, sometimes delivering something Hand-to-hand, face-to-face, makes it a little bit more special. You know, uh, sort of, I sort of get this with my wife a little bit because I write people's things, and she sometimes will say, well, Jeff, you know, why don't you get a nice pen and write a nice little card by hand? You know, that is more personable. And I said, well, I will. As soon as somebody invents a pen with spell check, I'll do that. Right. Because I'm thinking them trying to read my writing was sort of take away from the ex, uh, experience. Right. I got a witness back there. But there's something special about that personal touch in your generosity. But of course, then we know what happens in Acts five. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why? Second, new Bible page is stuck. Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. Then we know the same thing happened to his wife. So we see the opposite spirit here. At the end of verse 4, verses the beginning of chapter 5, notice he says, in thine heart, right? Because a, a spirit of generosity, uh, uh, giving is always a matter of the heart. You see, a person's attitude, a person's attitude towards giving and generosity shows what spirit is controlling that heart. Boy, if they're always, you know, as they say about the Germans, tied on the geld, right? <laughs> Uh, always holding on to things. Listen, it shows who's controlling your spirit. So is it the Holy Spirit or the spirit of Satan and selfishness? Well, certainly in the case of Barnabas and the others, it was the Holy Spirit. 
But then when Satan and selfishness was controlling the heart, we see a complete different response in the area of giving. Let's uh, move quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, which I believe 2 Corinthians chapter 8 has to be one of the great chapters on having a giving spirit, having a giving spirit, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we'll just read verses 1 through 8, which say this. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, yea, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Notice that, willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering unto the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desire Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, amen, in utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, well, look at this. See that you abound in this grace also. Hey, have faith. Amen. I'm glad you've got faith in utterance. Boy, I'm glad you're glad to talk about the Lord and witness for the Lord in, in your knowledge. Hey, I'm glad you know things about the word of God and all diligent. I'm glad you're busy about the father's business. Boy, I'm glad that you've got love. But hey, don't forget. Don't forget that grace of giving and a spirit of generosity. Verse 8, I speak not by commandment, but by the occasion of the forwardness of others. Why? To prove, of course, the sincerity of your love. Of course, after that, it gives Christ as an example. But notice that word bestowed. It says there in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, we do wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the... That word bestowed means to give. So you know what? Maybe this church didn't always have a giving spirit. Maybe ev or maybe everybody in the church didn't have a giving spirit. But one day, amen, they got excited about God. That day I'm fired for God. You know what? God came by and said, listen, <laughs> they've got faith. They've got knowledge. But you know what? I want this to be a giving church. I want this to be a church that's known for its <laughs> generosity. Its generosity. So we, we, that should challenge us. If we notice ourselves... Not having the right spirit towards giving, not having the right spirit towards generosity and being a blessing to others, it would be good to pray. It would be good to pray, dear Lord, bestow this grace upon me. We want our church. I want to say this about our church. We want our church, Choice Hills Baptist Church, to be known as a generous church. And you know what? Again, I want to say, I believe we are. Amen. I believe we give an example. So, well, again, that, that example of the, not just the missionary that we just had, but how many times uh, somebody within the church, right, had a need. And boy, the church was ready to step up and help meet that need for the individual in the church, not just financially, right? Uh, I, w I was uh, talking to somebody recently and, and, uh, 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 about a, a loved one. I said, hey, listen. 
We, we, are, we are here for one another. That's one thing you can be sure about our church, right? <clears throat> Just like I think of I, right? I think of Melvin, boy, uh, how, we were, how the church was there for them and uh, Sister Craft and them. Listen, we want to be there for one another. We want to be known for church that is generous, whether it's financially, again, our time, uh, going by and visiting people and uh, uh, being a blessing to others. Right, And if we don't, if whether we find that in our church or whether we find that in ourselves, we need to pray, God, we see an example where you bestowed it on that church. Would you bestow that on me? Would you bestow that on my home? Would you bestow that upon my church? Right? I like this saying, God will often give more through you than he'll give to you. God will often give more through you than he'll give to you. Verse 2 mentions their liberality. And notice it says, under trial of affliction. You know, a lot of times uh, people say, oh, man, I want you to know, man, you're blessing me. And boy, when God blesses me, I'm going to be a blessing to you. You know what? You ask any of these missionaries, that rarely happens. I remember years ago, I was at a, I was at a, I was at a church and uh, this uh, millionaire was in the service. And, uh, you know, I presented my ministry, the, the gypsies at the time. And boy, this guy, oh, man, brother, I've never seen a ministry like that, man. I'm fired up. Uh, I, got a, I got a business over here. I'll never forget this. I got a business over here. Pray that I'll sell this business. Man, when I sell that business, we are going to do something for your ministry. All right. Well, anyways, he ended up leaving that particular church, right? But anyways, fast forward a few years when I was on furlough again and I was visiting this church, right? And for the evening service, waiting for the evening, and guess who walks in? This guy. And he walks in and he sits down to this pat. As a matter of fact, the, the church was going into a building program at the time, right? That when, when I met him the first time, they were going into a building program. And he was all excited about helping the church find the land and all this stuff. And as soon as right, they sign something, he takes off, right? And then he sits down next to me in this pastor's office. And he brags that he just donated uh, $3 million to Bob Jones. Right? You know what I did? I'll be honest with you. I get up and walked out. Because to me, I said, I said that. I said, because if I would have said something to him, I'd have looked at him and said, you know what? That's wicked. I said, that's wicked. I said, you got a local church here. Last time you were here, they were going to build a program, and you acted like you're all behind them. And then as soon as they make a decision, you left a local church, a local church that you could have benefited. Hey, you didn't have to, but then you come in and brag to this pastor what you did for somebody so you can get your name on some. Uh, anyways, I don't want to get off of that, but I would have. But see, I'm just going to tell you, that's wicked. You know? Uh, anyways, but it, what I'm going to do it in a trial of affliction. Right. And so, listen, I'd say this. If you're not willing to do something for God when the chips are down. Right. Then if you're then you wait. Oh, when I get some uh, uh, abundance, I know there's a balance there. Well, as far as I'm concerned, you're not real. and You're a fake. Right. Because if, if you're not willing to sacrifice, amen, and pay a price to be a blessing uh, to somebody, well, like they were. And boy, thank God for this example here. So verse 3, it goes on to say willing. That means of one's own accord. And boy, that's what God wants. God wants you to have a heart for that. And now I like verse 4, right? It says, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. In other words, if you, if you get the concept of this, the kind, it says they're almost forcing them to take that love offering. 
Boy, when you get when you get in around people that are true givers, <laughs> I think of the. Uh, you know, Brother Curtis was here recently, right? You know, Caleb. <laughs> Brother Curtis, I might have mentioned this before, is the one that gave me the biggest love offering uh, that I ever had. I wish I could. Uh, I was up. Matter of fact, I was here in South Carolina. I was at the, hey, brother, I was at the Gateway Jubilee. And on a Monday, I was pastoring the church in Germany. And on a Monday, Brother Falkenberg called me and said, uh, uh, Preacher, our, our uh, furnace has went out. We need $5,000 by Monday. No, by Friday. It was Monday. He said, we need $5,000 by Friday. I said, well, brother, sounds like we need to pray. We better pray about this. <laughs> Tuesday, Brother Curtis calls me. He says, brother, I don't know what's going on. He says, but Lord laid you on my heart. Do you need some money? And I hate talking about money. This was my go-to response. Brother, whatever you send won't be sitting in the bank. That's what I always said. I don't like talking about it. I said, whatever you send won't be sitting in the bank, right? <laughs> and listen, at the time, his church met in a old beat-up, single wide trailer and their parking lot was a sand pit, right? He calls me up Wednesday night. Now remember, I need this by Friday. He called me up Wednesday night. Said, brother, I don't know what's going on, but our church just voted to send you $7,000. Yeah, this is. I said, he, and uh, he, I said, well, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Then I got off the phone and went, woo! And listen to this. I needed it by Friday, right? His church was about an hour and a half from my sending church. Then he calls me up uh, Thursday morning, he says, brother, he said, I don't know when you need this money, but I got up this morning. Lord laid it on my heart to have my wife drive that check over to your church so you could have it today. I said, well, brother, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Right. I was faking it. I was faking it. I was being a hypocrite. Right? I was doing backflips on the inside. Right. And so I called up brother Falkenberg and said, hey, I'm sending you $5,000 and I get $2,000 on the side. Amen. But, but listen to this. Is this. So a couple weeks later, I went down there and I said, honey, let's go by Brother Curtis's uh, church on a Wednesday night. And I said, just to tell him thank you for sending that $7,000, right? Listen, single wide, a church, 30-something people, if that. I don't know if there's that many people that night. Single wide trailer, <laughs> dirt pit. I walked out of the church that night with a check for $14,000. You see... <laughs> Because God will often give more through you than he'll give to you. And I said, Brother Curtis, what is... I said, keep those cards and let us come. Right? Make sure you got me on speed dial. But no, you know what? He said, he, this little church, he said, Brother, you're not going to believe this. He said, but this guy showed up at our church the, the last few weeks, and he gives us a bag of money. He says, get rid of it. Give it to some missionaries. Right? And, and this little church right here that had, 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 had nothing. And again, it's not about the money, but what it's showing is, right... Uh, a spirit that if, if people uh, will be in tune with God and be a spirit that it's not necessarily the amount, but it's having that spirit of willing to be used of the Lord of generosity and giving. I don't think that I got uh, things like that <laughs> that, <laughs> that often. But, but, that, but my point was they almost uh, forced me to take that money. I said, brother, take this. Do you think they had to ask twice? No. Please take the money. Please take the money, right? They had that spirit. And then verse 5 says, uh, notice what it says, And this they did, not as we hope, but first gave their own selves. When you willingly give yourself to the Lord, the extension of that is a willingness to give to others. You see, because when God possesses you, he has all you possess. When God possesses you, he has all you possess. Let me finish up here. Verse 7, of course, says, Right, finishes this grace also. Truth be told, 
right? This grace usually takes and shows the most grace, right? Giving material things usually takes the most grace. Well, I've, I've seen people, they're, they're willing to give their time, they're willing to give their knowledge, they're willing to give other things, but boy, when it comes to the old guild, right, they hold those springs. And again, the thought isn't money, the thought is about having a heart to be used of the Lord. This grace also, and then why? To prove your sincerity. You see, what, you know what that word means? Genuineness. One of the means of that word is genuineness. You see, that is the key word as believers, genuineness. We want to be genuine as believers. We want to genuinely love the Lord. We want to generally, amen, uh, uh, serve the Lord, and we want to generally have a heart to be used to the Lord to minister, right, generously, to the glory of God. We want to be genuine believers, amen, in representing the Lord Jesus Christ. And one who wants to be genuine will be generous. Let's pray.